0: Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing today with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and with this book, and like many of the books we read here on this channel, trigger warning. This book contains a lot of words and, um, most definitely slurs that were never really appropriate, but 100% aren't appropriate nowadays. I will be ducking the audio to sort of bleep it, um in a sense, but those words, you'll be able to fit them in. So if you do find that sort of thing offensive or triggering, potentially listen to another book. Uh, Listen to Frankenstein or Dracula. They're both fantastic if this sort of language is difficult for you. But let's dive in. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, chapter five. I'd shut the door too. Then I turned around and he was there. I used to be scared of him all the time. He tanned me so much. I reckoned I was scared now, too. But in a minute, I see I was mistaken. That is, after the first jolt, as you may say, when my breath was sort of hitched, he'd been so unexpected. But right away after, I see I weren't scared of him, worth bothering about. He was most 50, and he looked it. His hair was long and tangled and greasy and hung down. And you could see his eyes shining through it like he was behind vines. It was all black, no gray. So was his long, mixed-up whiskers. There weren't no color in his face, where his face showed. It was white. Not like another man's white, but a white to make a body sick. A white to make a body's flesh crawl. A tree-toed white. A fish belly white. As for his clothes, just rags. That was all. He had one ankle resting on t'other knee. The boot on that foot was busted, and two of his toes stuck through, and he was working em now and then. His hat was laying on the floor, an old black slouch with the top caved in like a lid. I stood, a-looking at him. He sat there, a-looking at me, with his chair, tilted back a little. I set the candle down. I noticed the window was up, so we climbed in by the shed. He kept looking me all over. By and by, he says, Starchic clothes. Very. You think you're a good deal of a big bug, don't you? Maybe I am. Maybe I ain't, I says. Don't you give me none of your lip, says he. You've put on considerable many frills since I've been away. I'll take you down a peg before I get done with you. You're educated, too, I say, can read and write. You think you're better than your father now, don't you? Because he can't. I'll take it out of you. Who told you you might meddle with such and foolishness, hey? Who told you you could? The widow. She told me. The widow, hey? And who told the widow she could put in her shovel about a thing that ain't none of her business? Nobody never told her. Well, I'll learn her how to meddle. And looky here, you dropped that school, you hear? I'll learn people to bring up a boy to put on airs over his own father, and let on be better than what he is. You let me catch you fooling round that school again, you hear? Your mother couldn't read, and she couldn't write another before she died. None of the family couldn't, for they died. I can't. And you're swelling yourself up like this. I ain't the man to stand it, you hear? Say, let me hear you read. I took up a book and began something about General Washington and the wars. When I read about half a minute, he fetched the book a whack with his hands and knocked it across the house. He says, so it's so. You can do it. I had my doubts when you told me. Now looky here, you stop putting on that frills. I won't have it. I'll lay for you, my smarty. And if I catch you about that school, I'll tan you good. First you know you'll get religion, too. I ain't never see such a son. He took up a blue and yellow picture of some cows and a boy and says, What's this? It's something they give me for learning my lessons good. He tore it up and says, I'll give you something better. I'll give you a cow hide. He sat there. A mumbling and a growling minute. And then he says, ain't you a sweet-scented dandy, though? A bed. And bedclothes. And a looking glass. And a piece of carpet on the floor. And your own father got to sleep with the hogs in the tan yard. I never see such a son. I bet I'll take some of these freers out of you before I'm done with you. Why, there ain't no end to your airs. And say you're rich, hey? How's that? They lie. That's how. Look at here. Mind how you talk to me. I'm a-standin' all about. I can stand now. So don't give me no sass. I've been in town two days, and I ain't heard nothin' but about you being rich. I heard about it down the river, too. And that's why I come. You give me that money. Tomorrow. I want it. I ain't got no money. It's a lie. Judge Thatcher's got it. You get it. I want it. I ain't got no money, I tell you. You ask Judge Thatcher. He'll tell you the same. All right. I'll ask him. And I'll make him pungle, too. Or I'll know the reason why. Say, how much you got in your pocket? I want it. I ain't got only a dollar, and I want that to... It don't make no difference what you want it for. You just shell it out. He took it and bit it to see if it was good. And then he said he was going down to get some whiskey. He said he hadn't had a drink all day. When he got out of the shed, he put his hat in again and cussed me for putting on frills and trying to be better than him. And when I reckoned he was gone, he came back and put his head in again and told me to mind about that school because it was going to lay for me and lick me if I didn't drop that. Next day, he was drunk. And he went to Judge Thatcher's and bully-ragged him and tried to make him give up the money. "'but he couldn't, and then he swore he'd make the law force him. "'The judge and the widow went to law "'to get the court to take me away from him "'and let one of them be my garden. "'But it was a new judge that had just come, "'and he didn't know the old man, "'so he said courts mustn't interfere and separate families "'if they could help it. He said he'd rather not take a child away from his father, "'so Judge Thatcher and the widow had to quit on the business. "'That pleased the old man till he couldn't rest.' He said he'd cowhide me till I was black and blue if I didn't raise that money for him. I borrowed three dollars from Judge Thatcher, and Pap took it, and got drunk, and went a-blowing around, and cussing, and whooping, and carrying on, and he kept it up all over town with a tin pan till most midnight. Then they jailed him, and the next day they had him before court, and jailed him again for a week, but he said he was satisfied, said he was boss of his son, and he'd make it warm for him. When he got out, the new judge said he was going to make a man of him. So he took him to his house and dressed him up clean and nice and had him to breakfast and dinner and supper with the family and was just old pie to him, so to speak. And after supper, he talked to him about temperance and such things till the old man cried and he said he'd been a fool and fooled away his life. But now he was going to turn over a new leaf and be a man nobody wouldn't be ashamed of. And he hoped the judge would help him and not look down on him. The judge said he could be hung for them words, so he cried, and his wife cried again. Pap said he'd been a man that had always been misunderstood before, and the judge said he believed it. The old man said that what a man wanted that was down was sympathy, and the judge said it was so, so they cried again. And when it was bedtime, the old man rose up and held out his hand and says, Look at it, gentlemen and ladies all. Take a hold of it. Shake it. There's a hand that was the hand of a hog. But it ain't so no more. It's the hand of a man that's started in on a new life and don't die before he'll go back. You mock them words. Don't forget I said them. It's a clean hand now. Shake it. Don't be afeard. So they shook it, one after another, all around, and cried. The judge's wife kissed it. Then the old man signed a pledge, made his mark. The judge said it was the holiest time on record, or something like that. Then they took the old man into a beautiful room, which was a spare room. And in the night sometime, he got powerful thirsty, and clumbed out onto the porch roof, and slid down the stanchion, and traded his new coat for a jug of 40 rod, and clumb back again, and had a good old time. And towards daylight, he crawled out again, drunk as a fiddler, and rolled off the porch, and broke his left arm in two places, and was almost froze to death when somebody found him after sunup. When they come back to look at that spare room, they had to take surroundings before they could navigate it. The judge said he felt kind of sore. He said he reckoned a body could reform the old man with a shotgun. Maybe. But he didn't know no other way. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed do subscribe, because there's more to come. And if you really want to support me, you can join the channel, either here on YouTube or on the podcasty platforms, where a review would also be really nice. Um, It's like a donation sort of thing. You just give me some support. I don't know. I don't really know how it works, but it would be cool. Uh, Once again, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, bye bye